Welcome back to Netflix. We're back to discuss The Crown season three, but this time we're focusing in on the fashion and we have our own expert on hand to give us the lowdown on these gorgeous frocks and tiaras. Barbie Kinkle, the only person you're gonna scare is yourself! Charlie! What are you doing? Keep the noise down. What are you doing here? Nice! Just in time. There's a whole load of police here. Think they're worried you're gonna hurt yourself. Or someone else. <laughs> How many children are you friends with? Hi, Lauren O'Callaghan, you are our fashion expert. Something like that. Hi, <laughs> hi. Um, I'm lifestyle editor at express.co.uk, so I should know everything about the style and the fashion. You do, you absolutely do. And we're back with Charlotte Manning. Hello. And I'm Helen Daly. So, Lauren, it is a gorgeous series, right? Yeah, it is actually. I think we're seeing the queen kind of move into more what we're used to seeing her wear today. So it is quite different, I think, from the previous seasons, mm. which I thought were really beautiful. The young queen, that kind of debutante style. Um, but now we're seeing more, as I say, of the images that we're used to seeing of her now, those block colours, um, you know, the matching accessories. Uh, you know, it's kind of more formal and she's got more of an idea of who she is and, and how she comes across visually, I think. Mm, and it kind of does um, follow on from the story. You know, yeah. this yeah. season three is, is the queen really coming into her own mm. she's really making her own decisions she's quite confident in the role and I think that is kind of echoed in the fashion as well yeah you can see that they thought about it also you have to think about the time you know that era is when color photography really took off I suppose when she first became queen black and white was the standard so it wasn't so important to maybe have those visual elements um, it was more about the silhouette rather than the block colors and things like that uh, the makeup etc you know the glitter of the jewels and all that kind of thing so I think there's an awareness, certainly there's an awareness in real life um, of how she comes across on camera. Um, so I think they've made sure that they followed that in the series. And it's not just the Queen, you know, you see Princess Margaret no. as well, like showing off her, her mm. incredible personality through her clothes. Yeah, definitely. Princess Margaret is kind of, you know, she's a tricksy character. She's not shy. I think there's definitely a feeling in this series. You get the sense of her and the Queen kind of almost like a little battle behind the scenes as Princess Margaret kind of doesn't want to just be the second in command. And I think the clothes that she chooses to wear, you know, like the bardo necklines and maybe not sexy, but slightly more frivolous clothing. The is Queen her, wouldn't wear them. Which the yeah. Queen would not yeah. wear. I think that's Margaret kind of being like, you know what? I am my own person. I'm not going to fall into line. Uh, and I, I think that's part of the reason people like her. Uh, and certainly her wardrobe in this series is more interesting, I'd say. Maybe yeah. it's more what I would want to wear. Yeah, yeah I, I think, think she would. Yeah, I think she really expresses kind of her character that she's yeah. a bit more cheeky and a bit more... Mm. She's got less responsibility. Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. And it's also shown up in the... They've done it quite cleverly in the use of accessories. You know, you see her in very fashionable glasses sun sunglasses for example that you just wouldn't see the queen in um so there's a way that they're showing that she maybe doesn't have the duty that the queen has um and also perhaps they're showing that there's a reason for that because she is a little bit renegade and a bit rogue and maybe you wouldn't trust her in the way that you trust the queen and i don't i don't know i think they've they've done it quite cleverly while also making sure that they are kind of not copying but reflecting reality as well of what they actually wore and Charlotte, we do see that throughout the season. Um, you know, we see the Queen and Margaret kind of, their roles are very different and yeah. there's a little bit of tension within that. Yeah, I think that's something that's brewed throughout the whole three seasons. I think obviously there's the whole difference, like the Queen and Margaret struggle with their relationship because they're sisters, but the Queen is obviously 
the queen and i think margaret now really is kind of stepping into her own and you see that through what she wears as well and i think that's really reflects her personality the fact that she she's allowed to have a bit more fun and the queen has to be more i don't know what the word is but she has to be a bit more demure a bit more appropriate appropriate yeah so that's really shown through the fashion as well as Mm. kind of it you know it goes along with what's got their relationship as well you can really see Mm. yeah yeah I think also, you know, Margaret was lucky in that she had access to the best of the best. And so you do see things, you know, like Pucci print caftans coming in in the 70s and those kind of designers that are really fun and exciting. Um, so it, it's good in a sense that those characters are there just just as a spectator. It's much more interesting to look at potentially um, and to recognise you know those kind of style points and it sets the pace for the time because the thing with the queen you know she looks incredible but the point of her is that you look at her and she feels familiar so you might not necessarily look at outfits that she's worn in you know the 70s the 80s whatever and think yeah that's definitely 1985 or whatever whereas because princess margaret and also princess anne which we'll come on to they are very, they dress very much of their time. So it's like, oh yeah, this is definitely, we know we're in the 60s now. Like we know we're in the 70s and that's that's quite fun. Yeah, because even mm. with Charles, obviously he's the next in line. You can't tell what era no. he's living in. Bless him. He's literally just in just suits. The hair yeah. just graying over time. That's <laughs> yeah. not the only time. Yeah, so we need Margaret and Anne for this. Yes, yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, so we have asked you to cast your mm. expert eye over some of the, um, the more lavish costumes from the series Um, and they are pretty much like for like right yeah I think you know because the queen's so iconic the imagery is iconic they really couldn't do anything else so there are certain things that people will recognize certain touch points and one of the most famous is the investiture of prince prince of wales in 1969 and so the queen is wearing what looks like a very space age hat it is in fact a Tudor era French hood um, and it's made from gold yellow silk and embroidered pearls very intricate um, you know very unusual I think it's the only time I've really seen anything like it um, and as I say we, we start to see her doing the matching accessories so in uh, the, on this occasion she's carrying a matching ruffled umbrella um, and it's interesting because she stands out quite strongly in the kind of yellowy gold cream look whereas those around her are in quite vibrant colours. Um, the Queen Mother and Princess Margaret, they did exact replicas of what they were wearing on the day as well. Um, the Queen Mother in like a lime green with an ostrich feather hat. Very bright. <laughs> fabulous though. Yes. Fabulous. Um, and Margaret in like a candy pink kind of look. And then Princess Anne, notable for her kind of slightly shocking mini coat dress i mean i say mini by our standards not mini yeah yeah, exactly demure but for the time it was a couple of inches above the knee she stood in images next to princess margaret and the queen mother and you know you can see the youth and the vibrancy she was only 19 so it does make sense that she was kind of pushing the envelope there and i thought i think that's a nice touch that they've stuck with that um, so that's one of the big kind of set pieces of the show. And it does kind of, uh, kind of, uh, Princess Anne's mm. outfit does kind of echo what's happening in the scene. Yeah. We see her Charlotte where she is giving Charles the nod to go off script and, you know, go into his Welsh nationalist yeah. speech. Like, I think obviously because Princess Anne is young, she, I think obviously there's this theme that she can kind of push boundaries a bit. She's the Margaret. Yeah. She's the younger she is Margaret. The Margaret. So, I think that's really well shown in this series. I think like she's kind of encouraging Charles here to kind of do something a bit off script and a bit like she kind of infuriate the queen or anything. Like I think it's quite fun. Like you see a fun side to the character and yeah. 
I mean, I think Anne was quite a fun. Yeah, you get that you impression, know, don't yeah. you? Yeah, we, we're used to seeing her now, you know, the duty, the hardest working royal, but definitely back then, you know, she was ultimately pretty much the most eligible kind of debutante of her age. And we forget that. But actually, if you look back at images of her in Vogue and things like that in the 70s, like she was quite a beauty, quite cool, dare I say, you know, like wore quite cool clothes. So it doesn't surprise me that there's that little cheeky kind of behavior going on. Um, But yeah, so then there are some other big lavish set pieces as well through the series. So um, we've got a state banquet, of course. It wouldn't be the royal family without a state banquet. (laughs) Um, So the... Queen and Prince Philip visited Belgium um, in 1966. And it's uh, like a thing that the Queen will always wear white to a state banquet. So you'll always see that through the years. Um, But they did actually slightly change it for this one. It's one of the few ones that they didn't do an exact replica. So the silhouette is similar, um, but the actual pattern of the dress that they've chosen is slightly different. There's embroidery on it, whereas she wore something slightly plainer for the in the reality. Um, They've also skipped out some of the jewellery, for example, uh, on her sash in the in real life she was wearing the lovers not brooch but they've skipped that one um i don't know if that's partly because they also switched around the tiara so in the crown you'll see her wearing queen mary's fringe tiara uh, in real life she wore what is rumored to be her majesty's favorite tiara which is the vladimir tiara um this is worth kind of looking more into it's quite an interesting tiara uh, the vladimir was said to be the one that Meghan markle wanted to wear for her wedding but was refused on the basis of Uh, provenance it's from russia there's kind of like a bit of a naughty backstory to it so it was decided that she wouldn't wear that and in fact uh megan ended up wearing like a really beautiful art deco um it's the queen mary filigree tiara instead um so the tiara thing is quite interesting uh, but i think that they obviously dropped the brooch because the tiara that they chose to show was different maybe they felt it didn't look the same they took slight liberties there just i don't know the costume designer's decision i suppose i mean uh, you have to take your hats off to them (laughs) these jewels look very expensive yeah Yeah. (laughs) they look like the real thing and the fact that you can even identify them as being yes. these tiaras is amazing yeah. i mean I, th- I suppose you know there are real royal fanatics out there particularly about details like that and they knew that they couldn't get that wrong um it's one thing to maybe change the pattern of a dress or change a hemline but i think with jewelry in the royal collection you you want it to be correct really um and why wouldn't it's stunning all of it's gorgeous i mean this yeah. is jewelry most of us could only dream of like you might as well have it looking proper you know so yeah Oh, that's really cool. And, um, you know, we do see the Queen kind of dressing down a little bit more demure, mm. especially for, you know, the, the more tragic side of the crown yes. um, when she visits Aberfan. Yes, exactly. So that's when you see her in, she's wearing like a maroon kind of coat dress uh, and it's trimmed with fur and she has a fur hat. Um, and, you know, it's, it's not black, even though it is a tragic situation, but it's dark colours. Um, the fur is interesting, actually, because recently the Queen's Dresser has just recently released her second book about working with the Queen. Um, and it contained all sorts of gems and kind of nuggets of information and secrets. And one of the things that she said is that the Queen has now moved on from wearing real fur and only orders um, faux fur items other than at um, official occasions. So, for example, the state opening of Parliament, she'll wear an ermine trimmed gown she'll continue to do that but privately or on you know other occasions you won't see her in fur again so it does definitely speak to the era that we're in you know fur back then was considered something luxurious women would wear fur and kind of as a reflection of their status um and I think yes obviously this is a kind of a tragic incident we're seeing but from a fashion perspective that's probably the thing 
that's most noticeable, I suppose. And that's bang on as well. Yeah, mm. yeah, definitely. Um, and I mean, I'm not a fur fan, but I do think there's something to be said for how chic it does, it can look. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it, if you're looking at it from a vintage And also smart as well. Like yeah. It, it's, you know, she's well covered up. She yeah. looks really yeah. respectable in the scene. And mm. it is it is kind of interesting because everyone's in black and there she is in that slightly darker plum yeah. colour. And it's, yeah. it, it does make her stand out a little bit. Which yeah. Enough again reflects the scene because yeah. Yeah. there's a big debate earlier on Charlotte about whether she goes or not yeah I think because we we um spoke about it earlier um and she ended up actually visiting more than any of the other royals mm. in the end um so there was that was quite a poignant thing to happen <laughs> Um, so the series closes on one of um, the Queen's most iconic outfits, we might say, <laughs> um, the Queen's Silver Jubilee in 1977. Yes. So this one is instantly recognisable. It's the Queen in pink. Um, the actual outfit itself is relatively simple, uh, but what caused ripples at the time was the hat. Uh, it was criticised as being too whimsical for such an important moment in time, um, but it's actually gone on to be kind of revered as one of the most striking choices she's ever made. Uh, so... It's a pink silk crepe hat and it has these like silk crepe flowers that hang freely from the back that moved every time she moved her head. Um, and the level of detail on them is gorgeous. You've got the green stem and then inside each of the bell shaped flower is like a yellow silk stamen. Um, very beautiful. Um, and you really have to kind of look up close to see that detail you'd almost think why would you bother in a sense really but actually it kind of shows you maybe her interest in fashion as well that she wanted these details just for herself um so there was also some interest over this hat because for years it was thought that it was designed by frederick fox who made more than 400 hats for her majesty but in fact it was created by milliner simone meerman and that was um, confirmed by the royal collection trust in 2016 um so just a little bit of backstory there how people. interesting that yeah. it was 2016 like, yeah it took yeah. that long for, for people to kind of realize oh no it was this other milliner who did the hat who she'd also made many hats for her majesty both of those milliners have since deceased so i don't know why it kind of came up in 2016 but it did um so yeah no really beautiful very striking and actually one of my favorite looks for her because it's a bit different i think maybe one of my least favorites really? That's <laughs> i think the hat is just too much for me yeah. um i i can really appreciate especially now you've pointed out the details i mm. really want to go back and check it out but um yeah no it, it's a very different choice for the queen very very yeah. I, I don't even want to say modern it was just very unusual the shape of the hat um I wasn't even particularly 70s for me. It almost felt kind of 60s, you know, that mm. futurism mm. slight feeling. I don't know whether she just decided that's what she wanted and thought, I'm just going to go with it. Because nowadays you see her in much stiffer shaped hats, yeah. wide brims, that kind of thing. Whereas this is that kind of fresher look. But as I say, I, I think I like the little, you know, break from tradition there personally. And one thing we do see in The Crown season three is the hats. Like the, There's a big deal about the hats. Mm. You know, is that did this really happen in in the queen's lifetime at this point yeah. did she make that kind of transition was it late 60s towards yes, the hats yes yeah. there's a move towards hats and it's become a a kind of a trademark of the royal family really that they will wear a stunning hat that is matching to their outfit and for her it's a way you know she's not a tall lady so it's a way for her to even more be seen by the crowd mm. you know that you're looking out for the hat um obviously underneath the hat is the hair which i think is something that's starting to take shape in this season the famed 
kind of queen haircut that I don't think you know she's always had that slightly shorter style but I definitely think it's at this era in her life that she starts to kind of stick with that kind of slightly helmet style yeah, yeah it's really funny because in the crown season two um prince philip you know she gets a haircut and she says oh what do you think and prince philip's like well are you going riding or something yeah. <laughs> like, he thinks it's like he's like it's not very fashionable yeah, and, it's, and it's he sporty. really criticizes it mm. but yeah. my god isn't it like fashionable now like yeah. it's just it's iconic mad. iconic yeah. yeah yeah i mean you could just show me that hairdo without a face and i would know you, that's the queen yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah i mean how much of the promo for the the season three of the crown is the queen mm. from behind yes yeah yeah. That's and all yeah and that's what i mean about imagery you know no one knows how to sell themselves like the royal family in that sense and they understand the power of you know a good picture and knowing that it's just simple kind of points like that that help the public know who they're looking out for who's arriving oh it's the queen because I see the hat or I see the hair you know or oh it's Prince Philip because I see the medals or whatever it is you know you just you know how each of them is going to dress in a sense so how true to life were Margaret's costumes in um, the crown from what you've seen from, um, from what I've seen I would say it's more of an inspiration they could go anywhere with her really yes I mean there are certain things they definitely so she holds um like a cigarette holder in this series um and that's quite true to life thing but in general I think with her they've done more of a and in fact this is the whole way through they've they've kind of done more of a, a feeling for her rather than exact replicas um so I know you know series one and two she was quite jewelry heavy which wasn't necessarily the case in real life you wouldn't really have seen her going out wearing quite as many lavish necklaces or tiaras as she did in the show uh, I'm not sure why they decided to do that maybe just because they wanted to show as much jewelry as they could um, <laughs> look we've made it all yeah <laughs> so I sat here for hours pasting this thing you will see it um, so yeah I think with the queen as I say it's iconic imagery so they got, they're gonna have to have it like for like but with Margaret with Anne um they can take more liberty really mm. and one of the things we see with Anne is that she's in jeans and she's yeah. just chilled and I was yeah. really shocked to Me see too. that I yeah. don't know why <laughs> yeah the know. royals in denim I suppose it's that whole you know she's young she's cool and she's on trend really yeah, isn't exactly. she yeah and in some ways you know they're just like us yeah. ultimately if you're going to ride a horse wool or whatever go into the field well you'd wear denim wouldn't you yeah. you know it's what young people do and she was young at the time of this series so that makes sense to me and overall, how do you think the crown fares on its costumes? Oh, excellent. It's Wonderful. one of the best ones, right? Yeah, really. You can see the effort that goes into it, uh, the detail. Um, so the wardrobe director is Amy Roberts, um, and they've made more than 600 original costumes for the series. Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and this is what I mean. I mean, you know, these aren't just a few grabs in a vintage shop. Like, they've really properly done this. Um, it's rumoured to be the like one of the most expensive series that Netflix has produced. Obviously, they don't give us figures i think the wardrobe is a large part of that really yeah. and making that wouldn't sure surprise me yeah. so even just yeah. the fake jewels would cost quite a I lot know. of money yeah. yeah exactly just to make sure you get the detail because obviously you're not just doing it from you know images from far away they come up close on their faces so if you've got the corner of a tiara it has to be correct mm. so yeah there's there, there's definitely money being thrown at this um and i think it works because i think it's part of the appeal of the show actually so yeah. and coming up for season four what would you like to see diana in because she's going to be a big oh diana oh she's <laughs> got all very good outfits. it's the best of the 80s <laughs> and you know the 90s yeah i mean there are some famous diana outfits obviously i'm jumping forward to 
post-divorce. Um, you know, the divorce dress, like oh, that yeah. one of her, the black. Yeah. The yeah. shoulder, um, off the shoulder. Off the shoulder, yeah. quite sexy, really, in those kind of sheer tights where you see a bit of the leg. Um, but actually, I think it's going to be interesting. Her fashion will be an interesting way of telling her story. You know, the shy, retiring 19-year-old, the oversized jumpers. You know, she was she said spoke out eventually about how she had eating disorder and dressing in those baggy clothes to cover herself up because she was so nervous and shy and then you see her come into her own as a woman through her wardrobe partly um and also you know when she went to visit people went to charities and things like that her dress down more casually diana understood more than anybody else the power of of her image and her clothes and i guess unlike margaret they're going to want to nail this as well because people yeah. are so yes. dedicated, so, yeah, dedicated yeah. because it was you know the tabloid era really exploded and diana was kind of a big part of that so they're more than any of the royals are images of Diana again and again and again that people are used to even people who were born after she had passed away um you know they in their mind they know what these images are what she was wearing and there'll be some complaints if it's wrong the so, wedding dress hello yeah, of course oh, the yeah. wedding dress I do wonder what they're going to do with this the though, dress that inspired a thousand dresses oh dear that puffy disaster <laughs> yeah. I hate I personally hated yeah, it I don't like but it. you know it was the dream of the 80s <laughs> so yeah I mean they'll have to do that but it was I mean, it was so much material, so much work going into the real thing to replicate that as well. I mean, they're probably making it as we speak. They probably yeah. started <laughs> they probably season one. Yeah. They were there like, <laughs> stitching Get away. Oh, <laughs> but yeah, I think, you know, Diana's going to be a, a, kind of a fashion fabulous era, definitely. I can't wait to see it. And thank you so much for your expertise, no, Laura. Not at all. Thank you. Thank you, Charlotte, once more. Thank you. And that's all for this episode. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us to chat about The Crown Season 3 of The Fashion Edit. If you liked what you heard from us, please make sure you give us a follow on Twitter at NetflixPod and get involved with the debate. And don't go too far, as tomorrow we'll have one more Crown special for you, which is all about the historical accuracy, or rather inaccuracy, of the Netflix series. You really don't want to miss this one. <laughs>